episode number nine. I'm here with Nicole Nason. Uh, she's uh, um, coming to us from the North Shore of Oahu. Uh, I've been very lucky to uh, have known Nicole for a few years now. I believe uh, the first time we met Nicole, you were about 15. Um, you came over to pick up a, uh, a winning piece that you got on Instagram. And uh, I, could, I could feel the energy when we first met. It, it was vibrant. And um, since then, you've gone on to, to go to college, uh, study film, uh, do great things in the surfing world. And uh, it's, a, it's an honor to have you here today on episode nine of Speaking From Water. Um, before oh, we begin. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Yes, yes, thank you. Um, now, you, you're on the North Shore. Um, how are you today? Pretty good. So I've been all around the North Shore. Um, first, I was based kind of in a primary area on the North Shore down by Cakey's Beach, which was really nice. And then lived at Shark's Cove for a while and a little bit in between. And now I'm in Kahuku. So 15 minutes from Pipe, not a bad place to be. Ah, oh, Kahuku. What a, what a great local spot. Great high school there and uh, really cool locals. I, I, I know the, uh, the people well in that, in that little town. All right, hold on. As, uh, as I said in the, in the back room, I'm here with my, uh, my son, Augustus. So we're going to pause real quick. I'm going to get a bop-bop, and then we're going to get in, into this uh, interview. So time out. Hold on, little buddy. Up is right here. All right, Nicole, thank you for that. Yeah, no worries. I think, I think, we're, good. I think we're good now. Um, so you're, uh, you're from North Carolina. Uh, you, you had it in you to, to get going in this, in this world of, uh, of videography and just art creation. So um, let's, let's start from the beginning. Uh, tell, tell me how you kind of like were like, this is what I want to do. This is how I'm going to do it. And, uh, and let's, let's go. Yeah, so I guess it started when I was younger. I had gotten my hands on like one of those $40 target point and shoot cameras. And I like went around the neighborhood and would like get all the neighborhood kids to like model for me. So we would go to like random people's driveways and just like they could watch from their living rooms and there would be a whole photo shoot going on. So when I was really little, I knew that that was something I enjoyed to do, but I didn't think it was something practical or something that I could do. So it was something that I feel like at a young age, I kind of developed my eye, but I didn't really think of anything of it. And then as I got older, I did some surf competition for a couple of years, just on the East Coast with Eastern Surfing Association. And I really enjoyed that, but I knew like in the back of my mind, I was like, well, I'm definitely not Carissa Moore or anything. I just love to surf. And I want to be involved in the surf community in different ways. And so after five years of competing, I had managed to go in and do like commentating, set up and take down a contest, doing all sorts of things with contests. And then I find, I found out that a lot of these people 
who were up and coming competitors, they didn't have media to get them to the next level. And that felt like the one thing that was holding them back. And I was like, why isn't anyone doing this? And then I just had like, in the back of my mind, I was like, well, why don't I do this? You know, maybe I'm not the best at this. Maybe I'm just like starting out, but there's like up and coming people and I know they're really good. And what if I like film them? And so that's when I put together my first full length documentary. I filmed around 30 surfers in the Southeastern region for 10 months and then put it in the Carolina Surf Film Festival and several others. And then the folks from Carolina Surf Film Festival ended up giving the film called Deeper, which is a Southeastern surf documentary, two awards. And they sat me down and said, hey, you should be doing this full time. And then I kind of began that process of figuring out how I was going to do that. So epic, so epic. So Deeper is a, a great movie. I'm going to leave it down in the description below. Everyone should go, go check that out. Um, so when, when you first started uh, creating this documentary, what was it that was uh, um, kind of like your idea of what it should be? Yeah, so I just wanted to tell people stories. I knew that a lot of stuff in surfing, it just shows like some cool air or some cool barrel or something. But I just wanted to go more in depth and actually show like the community behind it because the surf community, like so many amazing people are in it and there's so many cool stories to be told that weren't being told. Um, and one of the things I'm just like looking back and just honored to like be able to tell, like there was someone in our surf community, Tico, who's really well known and he was battling like stage four liver cancer. And I got to tell his story through that and how he is surfing and being in the ocean as a way to like, you know, be with his family and go through those hard times. and you know, being able to tell someone's story when it means so much to them is so impactful. And so being able to follow around and interview a group of people and just like different ages, different categories, whether it's your up and coming young Grom surfer who's like trying to compete all the time or someone who's aged and competing or someone who's like been in the water for 40, 50 years and they just have so much wisdom to impart based on their experience or they just have such rad stories of what's happened in surf community and surf culture. So after creating that, what was kind of your, uh, your overall takeaway? You know, I wasn't sure if anyone would even like the film, honestly. It was my first full-length documentary. I learned as I went. I was looking up like YouTube tutorials. I was looking up Google. I was like just trying to figure out how to put a film together because it was something I'd never done before. And I just jumped in and you know, I worked my hardest that I could do to kind of put it together. And then when I actually did like a premiere and then I had it in the surf film festivals and I started getting feedback on it, I was like, oh, people actually like this. And um, then I think it was really reaffirming when the Carolina Surf Film Festival folks like Chad and them basically sat me down and were like, you should do this whole time because I felt like I kind of needed that push because in my family, it wasn't like encouraged to do something like that creatively because there's like more of a risk to it. Um, but it's something that I absolutely loved. And from there, I wanted to tell a bunch of people's stories. So I created this thing called Surf Stories and I had 29 episodes, one of which you were in. And um, then I saved up. Um, I was working a corporate job full time in technology sales while I was creating this documentary. And I went from before that surfing six hours a day, waiting tables, doing surf instruction right after graduating college to this corporate desk job. And I was like, oh, I don't really see myself fitting in here. No one surfed, no one was involved in like the ocean or water. And I was like, wow, like, I mean, it's like some people love it and it's great, but 
it just wasn't for me and I couldn't perceive myself as happy long-term with that. And so I kind of set it as a means to it and I was like, okay, I'm going to work here for two years. I'm going to get myself in a better financial position, save up, make this documentary, I guess, during that time too. And um, then I had the opportunity to go to South Africa. So I needed from that to go to South Africa and really invest into what I was doing with filmmaking and photography and really kind of bloom from there. So South Africa was kind of your, your, your pivotal point out of, out of Wilmington. What, what um, that, that must've been a, a really big kind of uh, leap into, into the unknown. Um, Africa, especially South Africa is a, it is an amazing place, but it's, it's nowhere close to Wilmington, North Carolina and completely out of your, your safety zone. Um, tell us a little bit about how you went about making that decision and then going through with it. And then I believe you stayed there for like a year. Was it six months? It was a, it was a long period of time. Um, give us a little of the, uh, of the prelude to that and then um, the actual event. Yeah, so funny enough, I had heard of another girl who had went to South Africa and I did this. So in college, I did this maritime studies program for the semester. And it was like studying the ocean from all different interdisciplinary perspectives. And so I studied like history of the sea, maritime policy, all that sort of stuff, just like as a group of classes. And what I realized during that time was that I could do something rather than what I initially thought was like traditional career paths. And also a little bit after that, I had, um, I was writing at the time for Indojack Surf Charities. And one of the things they did was they do like surf trips to different places for their team riders. And then you do like a surf and surf type thing. And so one of the things we did was we taught like these girls in Pokoya, Nicaragua, like surfing. So we would pick them up from these just locations all around these towns and we would take them in the water surfing. And one of the surf photographers down there who I met, um, he goes by Donde X on Instagram, Rick Briggs, um, he had, this tattoo on his arm he was like in his hands like he just kind of like leaves everything to like God's hands and like what he's doing and so he just like goes into like the gnarliest slabs of like reef breaks and like literally like this 10 foot wave in like one foot of water and he's just out there filming in water and just going after it and like I saw that he did that but he was able to provide for his family and be able to do something that he loves for a living and that was when the wheels really started to get turning about that and so I realized, I was like, oh, someone can actually make surf photography, surf cinematography, something with ocean media, like what they do and be able to provide for a family. And obviously it's not going to be easy, but it's doable. So seeing that is like a little opening. I was like, okay, maybe I could see about this. So when I had heard about one of the girls that I went to school with, she went to South Africa and she like partnered with these different nonprofits out there and she was like serving and living in Jeffrey's Bay, South Africa. I was like, oh wow, maybe I could do something like that. So then I like saved up, um, had been in touch um, with some people out there about like going and serving with these nonprofits, but as well as they also were doing partnerships with the World Surf League where they would go around to all the different contests on the South African coastline and basically serve at these events. But what I also did during that time was before and after these events and during little breaks to have, I would go and film. And so I essentially like went around and helped with all these different contests, got so much time at J-Bay, 
um, filmed in water at super tube, which was a huge thing for me because I didn't think that I could go into super tubes. And then I eventually worked up the courage and like the swim strength and the confidence to really go out there. And so I think the pivotal moment was getting outside of my comfort zone, really taking that leap and knowing that I did have the ability to do something like that and having people in my life that I knew had gone on that path before, obviously in different ways, not all of them go to South Africa, um, but just seeing that there is the opportunity out there to be creative and to do what you love and to find a way to make it work. So inspiring. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about how uh, South Africa, specifically, I guess, Jefferies Bay, um, how, how I'm interested to know, how, do, how does that surf culture there compare to the surf culture you're from um, and familiar with in North Carolina? Um, what are some contrasting uh, elements? Uh, what, what's um, most different, most alike? So I would say growing up in North Carolina, like I just, I knew so many people in the water. So it was kind of that readjustment of, okay, now I need to get to know everyone in the water so I can actually have some waves here too. And I think like the first month was the hardest because that was where everyone was kind of feeling you out and seeing like if you could actually surf and if they were going to give you waves. And then like after that, I started getting way more confident and I would surf the point at J-Bay like all the time. And I would sit like way out the back of my longboard and just catch these bomb waves like all the way through. And so I think really just being open to the adjustment of being out there and being friendly and getting to know people in the water and those people become your community as well. So I feel like in that aspect, it's pretty similar because I remember back in the days um, when I had learned how to surf, it's just like once you see the same people again and again, you become familiar and you all want what's best for each other. Um, you know, and you've got the uncles in the water, you've got the groms in the water, you've got everyone in between. So I think it's a similar dynamic, just a different place in a different way. And I think it's just good to have so many people in the water and you learn from those experiences. So when you showed up on the beach for the first time, did you uh, start surfing or did you start shooting? Hmm. I actually started shooting because I had been advised that it would be better to get a board there than to ship a board there. Because by the time you pay for the airfare for international travel, you basically bought a board out there. So. Did you find uh, you, you uh, immediately got some respect uh, with your surfing skills and then that, that was a, an easy transition into your, um, your friendships? Hmm. I think it was more so like once they saw me in the water taking photos, they're like, oh, we should get to know her, honestly. Yes. That was what they first, and then they saw me surfing. Yes. I love it. Okay, so uh, you, you, uh, you did your time in South Africa. You uh, come back to North Carolina, you regroup, and then you're like, you started the interview series. I believe that's that's that was the next step. Is that is that right? And then you were like, you know what? I believe you interviewed me, and I and I was like, you need to get out to Hawaii. Was that was that the that the moment? <laughs> I know. Yeah. So I had had it in the back of my mind. I was like, you know, it would be so good to get out to Hawaii. Like that following fall, I was like, it would give me some time in between to continue to regroup. I could save up, do all of this stuff. And um, then I had this interview series going the whole time when I was following around the contest in South Africa. And then, 
your interview had been after that when I had gotten back and kind of a continuation of that series. And then when I had mentioned like, hey, I'm thinking about going out to Oahu, you're like, well, actually you should go now. And I was like, what? I was so floored. I was like, what do you mean? And then you explain it and you're like, oh, well, like this is the time of year where athletes would actually want to network with you. They're not stressed about their end of year results. The Vulcan Pipe Pro is literally starting in what, like five days. And it's also a good opportunity because all the surf industry folks are out there. So it's a good time to get out there and network. And so right after that, I was kind of said to myself, like, hey, if it's below X amount of dollars that I'd saved up in my time being back, I was like, then I would be able to get a plane ticket. And then I just got to figure out where I'm going to stay or what I'm going to do. And I looked at flight prices and it was 50 bucks less than what I needed it to be. So I booked the flight and I like told some people, I was like, okay, I'm going. And then I started like literally trying to figure out what I was going to do, like where I was going to stay, what I was, because it wasn't like, like I wasn't like budgeted to go stay at Turtle Bay or anything crazy like that. I was like, let me figure out where I'm going to stay. Maybe there's some couch I can sleep on. And so I ended up also seeing about like different people I could film out there. So I literally would message people on social media, like so much to where it would like give me limits on Instagram. Cause I would just contact like as many athletes and as many like things that I thought would have connections. And also like I'd reached out to every surf shop in the Wilmington area is like, hey, do you guys know anyone on the North shore? Or do you have any connections? Who should I film? Who should I talk to? Um, and it's just really cool how, when you step out like that, just without knowing like where you're gonna go or what you're gonna do, like things always end up working out. Um, so three people who had been in an entrepreneurship class at University of North Carolina Wilmington with me happened to live in Honolulu. And as I'm boarding my second plane, they're like, yeah, you can stay with us for the first three nights. I'm like, okay, I got something figured out. And then the rest kind of pulled from there. Um, people had found out that I was coming to Ireland and there were a lot of no's in that process, but there were also a few yeses and that's all you need is you just kind of keep going. And then eventually you get a couple of yeses and things work out. So how do you emotionally, like in that moment, how did you emotionally take the nose and, and not let them shut you down from your like, I think that's where, like, go. I, I was like, you know, there's no harm in asking, like if they say no, then I just move on. Like I had worked in sales for two years. So I was used to a lot of no's. So to me, it was just like, okay, just keep going. I was I was just thinking that uh, when you were mentioning that how that's so uh, in sync with a sales mentality that like you just go on to the next the next target <laughs> and then and until you reach that that goal that's that's epic. Uh, so you're you're on you eventually make your way out to the North Shore. Um, let's talk about the North Shore for those who don't really um, understand it or haven't been there or don't know much about it. Um, describe to us uh, the beaches, the location, and and why it is such an epicenter to. Uh, the surfing world. Yeah, so the North Shore, they call it the Seven Mile Miracle. And it's basically a stretch everywhere from Haliva Town, which is kind of the town in the area, which has Ali'i Beach Park, which is a powerful wave with a strong current when it's cranking. It can be like a wave where you do multiple turns on it. It's just a very powerful, nice beach break feeling wave, but it's actually over reef. And then you go from Haliva Town to the main stretch of the North Shore. And as you go along the North Shore, you're going to see basically everything from Lonnie's and Chun's on through to the first like major area you hit after that is like 
the Sharks Cove area, which then is 0.9 miles from Pipeline. Pipeline is kind of that notorious wave. Um, they filmed like Blue Crash there and all this sort of stuff. So there's literally the elementary school right across the street, Aokai Beach Park. There's a sandbar there. So during the summers, you can actually get a wave there and it's a nice sandy bottom. And then during the winters, the waves really crank on and that's when all the pro surfers and up and coming surfers really flock to the North Shore. So we kind of have like this local crowd of people who live here and surf here. And usually like during the summers, they'll either go travel somewhere, they'll be working a ton or they'll go surf town or West side or other places. And then from there, you've got Pipeline, you've got Sunset Beach. Those are the main ones. And then you've got a bunch of breaks in between everything from log cabins to Aokai. And I think the biggest thing, the waves are way more powerful than in North Carolina. And uh, it's quite interesting because you see like these places like Waimea. So Waimea Bay is like during the summer, it's like this flat bay where all the tourists are told to go snorkel. And then during winter, we just had a swell where it was like 25 foot waves. And, you know, there's a contest called the Eddy where it's like at least 40 foot when they have that contest. And when you, um, when you go uh, out to, to the beach, what is your favorite surf spot on the North Shore to surf? Ooh, I like to surf between Lonnie's Chuns and Ali'i. I think the reason is because it's less competitive. Um, Chuns is more like if I want to surf longboard and I can sit way out the back and get a long wave. Lonnie's, I can do both long or shortboard. And Ali'i's kind of nice because even though there's a current and it kind of has that notoriety behind it, you can still get some really fun waves without like going out on the huge days. And then what's your favorite spot to shoot? Ooh. I feel like lately this past like December and January, I've been filming with this girl Moana and Moana Long is a really up and coming surfer here. She's grown up here her whole life um, and is really fixated on pipelines. So I've been spending a lot of time out there. It's one of those like mesmerizing waves, kind of like Jaws that you can just sit there and watch it for like forever when it's good. And time just passes by so fast because it's such a beautiful, powerful, majestic wave. And then, so I really like shooting at Pipeline. I kind of choose the days that I go in water. And that's because when it's breaking like second or third reef, you have to really pay attention and be in the right spot so you're gonna get pummeled by the wave. And I never wanna be in a situation where someone would have to come rescue me. So I do like all the breath training, the breathe ups, the I've taken up running a lot because then even when the waves aren't good I'm still building up like my leg endurance so that way when I'm out there at pipe for two hours and like my legs are like I guess similar to like jelly arms when you paddle too much <laughs> after a couple hours so I'd say I really like shooting pipe I want to shoot more in the water from pipe I kind of have a handful of days where I go out I want to build to bigger days but it's just like a thing like over time where my confidence will build with it just because I want to get more and more familiar with that wave. And yes. then, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I, I was gonna just interject that. Um, uh, I've, I've too spent some time at Pipe and it is incredibly intimidating. 
Uh, even on a, on a small head eye day, you can just get completely worked swimming there. So my, my uh, not to interrupt, but my next kind of question about that is what, when do you know that, oh, maybe I should shoot from the beach? Like kind of where do you draw the line and what are you looking for uh, in the lineup, wind, wave size, amount of people, like kind of what, what is it that you, um, you gauge as a, uh, either a no-go or a go? Yeah, so I really, I look at the forecast, I look in person, I kind of feel it out and see what it's looking like. I also judge the crowds out there because if there's like 400 people in the water at Pipe and they're all coming towards you, there's a lot of chance for, I guess, injury that could happen because they're not necessarily focused on avoiding you, they're focused on just making it out of the wave. Um, and also like, I feel like it's kind of pretty brutal out there, honestly. Like, there's a photographer that I know who's really well known on the North Shore, really accomplished, really talented. Um, shoots out there with a 40 pound red camera, and just the other week, um, got pushed by another photographer over the falls. It's like that sort of mentality out there, and he just kind of brushed it off and was like, "Oh, I had my impact suit on, I'm fine, whatever." But like, literally, someone pushed him over a wave. And the thought of that is just like, dang, it's crazy how competitive people get out there. And I could just never even imagine that. And it's good that he was okay and nothing happened to him other than taking the beating over the falls. But it's, uh, it's pretty competitive out there for the photographers and cinematographers in the water. So I really try and choose the days where it's not so much of those heavy hitters, super fierce competitive days. I like to choose the in-between days. So in, in, uh, have you personally dealt with any sort of uh, issues like that with, uh, I guess, I don't want to call it localism because these probably aren't locals, but just aggro behavior from other photographers um, in the lineup? I feel like most people are nice. Um, sometimes you just have to feel things out and see how the vibe is in the water, if that makes sense, and see how people are reacting when people are catching waves or getting their shots and whatnot. Um, I tend to shoot with like an 85. So I sit a little bit further towards the channel just so that I don't have to be in the mess of like 12 people in like just a few inches of space. Um, so I feel like that helps a bit. But another thing that I really like is I actually like going in water at Ali'i. And a lot of people, like they'll see me go in water at Ali'i and they're like, what, you're going in water there? Because it has a raging current, but I'm the only water photographer that goes there basically. I've only seen like one other ever. And I've gotten some amazing shots there. And it's like, I don't have to deal with the crowd. The waves are still pumping. It's still really nice. I can definitely deal with the current over the 500 people in the water. So it's kind of nice because I'll be sitting out there and there's an entire group of really talented surfers. And I'm the only person getting it from there. And there's like 50 people on shore and I'm the only person getting that water perspective. So that's the other thing is I really like to try and get a different perspective. So like if there's like 50 people filming in water, I'm going to try and get a different angle. And are you shooting uh, mainly video or photos during your sessions? You know, it really depends. Lately, I've been doing a lot of short form video. So like for projects and stuff, I've been doing mainly video, which is interesting and exciting and I love it. 
Um, but I kind of do a mix of both when I'm in the water. So I set like my C2 button, which is kind of towards the middle of the camera. I set it for video. And so I just start and stop with that. And then I also more recently I've attached like a GoPro to the top just so I can make sure that I'm getting both moments. So if I'm mainly shooting photo for the day, I'll just put a GoPro on top for fun and see how it comes out. Epic. Very, very cool. Um, and what, what kind of camera are you shooting in-house with? Yeah, the camera that I'm mainly using right now is the A7R2. And I think the thing is like, once you get really familiar with the camera and you know it really well and you know your settings, it's just really nice to have that to come to. It has really good image quality. It can shoot in 4K video. It's a really solid camera. And once you invest in a housing for it, you definitely want to keep it for a while. Awesome. Um, now I want to kind of ask like a broad question here. Uh, what is your um, perspective on the current state of, of uh, uh, surf culture here in 2022 and how the media goes about covering it? Uh, and, I'll, and kind of we'll, we'll preface that with, um, you know, magazines have been completely wiped out. That used to be a major way uh, uh, photographers, water photographers made money. Um, uh, video, uh, there, it's not being done on um cassettes or DVDs anymore. That was another way videographers made a lot of money. Um, you're also um, young, you're, you're fresh uh, on, on the scene. You, know, you weren't really ever part of any of that. Uh, where now do you see the industry? Um, is it mainly on the social medias, the YouTubes, the Instagrams, and you're creating content for that? And then, and then um, I guess, posturing brands um, to those uh, platforms. Um, kind of let, let us know what, what your, uh, I guess, take is on the current state. Yeah, so I think more and more I've realized that something that's really crucial and important in any form of media is where is the attention at and what value are you providing to the audience? And I think the main thing there is that you could be producing the most beautiful imagery in the world but what if it's sitting there and no one sees it? What's the story behind it? I think people are expecting to hear a storyline. They're expecting to see more video and then the brands and different ways that someone could get behind it and either purchase your art, buy your film, um, do something along the lines of licensing from a agency or from brands individually. Well, a lot of that is based on, are they going to get value out of it? What is the perceived value? And where is that attention coming from? Are you able to generate that attention? And so that's where I really took a step back. And I looked at the state of the industry. I saw like, okay, magazines aren't doing as well. What else can I be doing? And so back when I was in North Carolina in summer of 2020, I had started doing like these early morning sunrise, like short form videos. And they tend to perform really well, but I didn't really think anything of them. I just really enjoyed the process of creating them. And then coming out here and kind of being really delved in the surf community, I realized that not a lot of people are putting together like a ton of like short form videos. Like, yeah, you'll have like some surf clips here and there, but that's when I really started delving in to short form media all over Instagram, but then using that as a way to gauge the metrics of how people are interacting and reacting to the media itself. And then being able to use those hard numbers 
to pitch to the different brands, to pitch to the different agencies and the different companies that may want to work with me in the future. So now I can go and have a use case of how I basically went about a marketing strategy for a business and be able to show it to them and say, here's what I did. And we had a reach of this and engagement of this. This is what we could do something similar with your stuff on your page or with a campaign for your brand. And so I feel like it's been useful that I had a sales background because basically I get to use that every day, but with something that I love to do and have the momentum and energy for, because I absolutely love to shoot in water. I love shooting surfing and the surf lifestyle. I've realized that I'm not necessarily one of the heavy hitter pipe people wanting to go for the shot that's potentially going to get your head split open for. I'm more of telling stories and being involved in surf community and maybe a different perspective. Like, don't get me wrong. I love shooting from water, but there's some days where you wouldn't want to be in a situation where someone hires you just for the water stuff. I want them there for the fact that I'm actually providing value and attention to the business beyond just taking the shot. So to, to follow up on, on that question, uh, obviously you're female, you're a female surfer first and foremost. And um, I, I believe when you say that's, that's true, your surfing is your soul, your art is your uh, videography, your photography. Um, you, uh, you are friends with a lot of prominent female surfers there on the North Shore. Um, I'm, I'm the father of a female surfer. I'm, I'm interested to know what is your take on uh, that aspect of, of the world and the industry uh, uh, here in 2022? You know, there's not a lot of um, females doing water photography uh, and videography um, or even uh, a lot of females surfing. You know, there, you find more males in the, in the environment. Um, why that is, I don't know, but, um, but it's the truth. So kind of give me your perspective on, um, on that aspect of, of who you are in your life. Yeah, so while it is a very male-dominated industry, it is a unique perspective that I can bring to the table. So essentially, like I like to look at things and say, what, what value can I bring or what perspective can I bring to the table? So I always look around and I analyze and I say, okay, what is it that I'm shooting today? And I'm not necessarily thinking from, oh, I'm a female surf cinematographer. I'm more thinking from what story can I tell and how can I tell it the best way that I possibly can? And I'm constantly working to grow and improve in that way. Um, one of the things that I've also noticed too is like certain brands will have like their campaigns for like women's swimwear, surfwear, all these things. And I'd love to see it more focused on the surfing and the swimwear itself for the functionality of it, more so than just photos of some girl in the suit, if you know what I mean. Like there's, there's kind of a line there where it becomes like, is some young girl who's seeing this going to look at this and be like, I want to surf, I want to go outdoors and do this, and this will be a suit for that? Or are they questioning themselves based on an image that they're seeing? And so I feel like that's a really important discussion that we should be having in the future with surfing. I agree. Uh, and, you know, my, my daughter, she's 10 years old. She already understands the sexualized nature of the, the industry. When as you just described, how the how the uh, the bathing suit is shot, how the bathing suit is cut. What what do you believe needs to happen um, going forward in this in this world in this surfing world um, to get away from from that and into kind of a um, 
neutral zone as as I would say. Yeah, so uh, one of the big pivotal moments that I think we're having right now is that the Dehuey backdoor shootout is going on. And there's actually for the first time ever, a group of girls competing at Pipeline and Backdoor for this contest. And I think seeing more first for women in surfing is going to be very pivotal. And then looking at how those girls are portraying themselves, which is all in a very positive light from what I've seen, because those are the girls that I want the young and up and coming girls to look up to. I want them to see Moana and Bethany and Bianca and the other girls out at Pipe. And I want them to say like, oh, that's something I could do too, instead of just like, oh, they're wearing this, you know, like they're definitely way more focused on surfing. And I think that's way more positive for the girls that are growing up. Very well said. I'm, I'm being uh, interrupted by my um, my young man. He's talking about our sponsor, Athletic Greens. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, following up on, on on the culture and and where we are, um, where do, oh, are the women competing in their own? Um, against other women or are they competing against the men, for instance, in, in the Dehui contest? Yeah, they're competing directly against the men's. Very impressive. Their division is right up against the Florence brothers. That's their competitors. And how have they been doing? Yeah, so I think they basically judge it based on each competitor's top waves in a variety of heats as opposed to a traditional surf contest where you go in, there's a little cat here. <laughs> I got this guy, you got your guy. It's my roommate's cat, by the way. Um, cool. And so essentially like these girls are going and competing in these contests um, for the first time ever against teens that are also really talented and able, and it's really neat to see them going full set. Like literally they will go out there and surf these challenging pipe conditions. They're still getting barreled. I feel like they're still getting a little bit more confident in the water as compared to a lot of the males that have competed there so many times, just because there's less opportunities for them to compete. And when it's a regular day at pipe, there's literally like hundreds of people in the water trying to surf there. And if you're a girl, it's really hard for you to get a wave just because of the dominance out there, you have to be very aggressive in the water. And it's not necessarily something that's common for most of these girls. Awesome. Um, so you're on the North Shore. Where, where are you looking uh, to go next? What are, what's going on here in the next few months for you? Yeah, so I've been on the North Shore for over a year now. So I officially came here like to live here in November of 2020. I thought I was just gonna stay for three months, but things ended up working out where I could stay here long-term. And so super thankful to be here, love it here. It's nice because it's kind of similar to where I grew up in the fact that there's a nice core group of local surf community folks. Like you'll have like people in the water you see again and again. And it's also really good waves, especially during winter, which is really nice. It's kind of a good place to base myself for what I'm trying to do, as well as with commercial shoots and that sort of direction as well. 
there's so many locations that are here. So like if I work on a commercial project, they don't necessarily have to fly me out anywhere. I'm already here in this beautiful place where they can have imagery and videos for their brand. But eventually down the road, once borders and all that stuff get settled, um, I'd love to be able to go do a van trip through New Zealand and Australia and be able to basically follow around groups of surfers there, work on some commercial projects, be able to explore that coastline and create like a book or some sort of imagery over time with that progression of traveling there. I think that would be really amazing to be able to go there. I actually had some roommates in South Africa who were from New Zealand. So I know a few people on the island now, which is kind of exciting. And then I still have a VW bus on the mainland that I would love to be able to do the California coast. So I'm looking at possibly in the early fall of this coming year. I just want to save up enough and book enough projects to where I can be able to do that. Legendary, yeah. So. Um... I, I've been fortunate enough to do a vanning trip uh, for a number of months on in New Zealand and then in, in Australia. And um, let's talk a little bit about the vanning and, and what it is about vanning that that uh, is so enticing um, and what why you dream about it, why you've done it. You you um, you own a van like you were just saying, old old bus. Um, describe to us for a little bit about the vanning culture because. I know when I did it, it, it was in 2005, and it was just the most fundamental, uh, formidable time of my life. You know, you pull up on the beach in your little van, you surf, you cook out, um, you, 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 you live basically out of the van, and it's, it's just epic. Um, so kind of give me your, uh, your, your take about van life and, and vanning in general. Yeah, so it's not always the picturesque thing that you would see on someone's Instagram. It's very down to the basics, but I love the fact that it's very versatile. You can go anywhere you need to go at the drop of a hat. So if the swell is coming up somewhere, you can just drive a couple hours and go and be there. Um, you're not necessarily tied to like that kind of long-term advanced planning with that. So you're able to really go with the tides, go with the waves and kind of go to where the surf is great or to where projects can take you. Um, one of the things that's really nice as well is there's certain areas that maybe you would want to shoot at for projects that are maybe near national parks or near remote areas. And so you can literally go to the campgrounds there and you have everything you need and you can just stay in your van. Or there's like different places around the country that just are more remote in general and you're not going to have a place to stay unless you drive an hour so if you can just stay right there and be there for the sunrise it kind of makes sense absolutely and uh speak a little bit about the people you meet along the way and how uh they they might have uh, the same kind of uh life philosophy yes yeah, so it's very interesting actually when i was in south africa in the trans sky which is an area kind of a couple hours south of Durban. And it's like these really remote areas. Well, they have like a backpackers out there. And I was staying there for a few days back in when I was in South Africa. And this lady um, who was out there also staying out there, she was in her um, late 30s and she was expressing to me how I was telling her about New Zealand and Australia. She was like, you should definitely do it. I've done this as well. Like, I went and I stayed in this van. I worked somewhere for six months. I saved up. I traveled the other six months. 
And she actually ended up doing better um, by doing that than she would have staying in her home country. And so it's really cool um, just how you have this group of basically people that are just going along these coastlines and going and surfing and going and exploring and being a part of these environments in these different ways. Um, I think it's also like a way that you can go and explore while still keeping to a budget. You can also have like a safe space for your stuff, especially as a photographer, like knowing that you can like have your stuff in a space is also great. And then that you're so mobile, it's so versatile. Um, I have like a lot of people approach me when I'm traveling. So you kind of have to discern like who's a good person to talk to and when you should kind of leave a conversation, if you know what I mean. And so I've had my fair share of that. Um, but you end up meeting a lot of really neat people. Um, I think National Park campgrounds are where I met some of the most interesting people because um, people are just like going and traveling all around and they have like these insights about the areas. So they'll like have suggestions on where you should go and what you should do and who you should visit and all of that sort of stuff. So I think really just having discernment while you're on the road, being careful about where you're going and kind of having a plan. I think the other thing is communicating. So making sure that you have an awareness about your communication style as well as you're communicating with someone outside of yourself and your little van trip. So that way, if something happens, people know where you are. And do you do these trips solo for the most part, or do you do them with a, a friend or a group or how, how do you set them up? Yeah, so the one that I wanna do in the future, I wanna do kind of as a group thing because I have some video ideas that I'm pitching to brands to do with it. So I think that would be amazing. Um, but in the past, when I went cross country, um, I went by myself. So the first 10 days, I had a friend come with me and then she quickly realized um, that traveling in a van and staying in these random parking lots was not for her. And so she had like friends and family in New Orleans. So we went there and she kind of went to her like place there and kind of decided, hey, I'm gonna do this instead. And um, cause it is rough, it's not easy. But we kind of knew that going into it, but it's just like the reality actually hits you a couple of days in and you're like, oh wow, like you're in a van and you're traveling and that's like what you've got. Um, so it's definitely, it's pretty intense. People think it's just like this aesthetic thing, but it's so much more than that, but you learn so much and you grow so much. You learn a lot about yourself. You get to explore beautiful places and it's a way that you can do it uniquely. And, um, to kind of shift gears a little bit, go a little more broad, 10,000 feet, so to speak. Uh, what, what inspires you most and keeps you most stoked? Like what, what gets you just going? I would say the people in my life, the community, the friendships that I have, the opportunity that you never know who's going to see your work and what it's going to lead to. I always try and tell myself, like, if there's, like, another piece of work that you're going to put out, what are you going to say with it? And, um, like, what do you want to accomplish through it? Like, do you want someone to see this and be inspired? Do you want to, like, have someone go about their day and just, like, smile or laugh or, you know, just the little things and realizing how much of an impact you can have just as an individual, but also, like, being a part of your community. And I think it's so refreshing to also, like, surround yourself with people that are positive and also going towards goals in their life and have ambition because if you, the people that you surround yourself with 
determine the direction and quality of your life. So if you're surrounding yourself with people who maybe don't have those dreams or kind of look down upon your dreams, then you're not going to like, I mean, you can go far, but maybe it's not as encouraging or maybe it's not going to be the best work environment for you versus having a bunch of people around you that are also like going after their goals and really working hard towards their dreams. Very well said, very inspiring. Um, what, how, how does the water play into that? Does, does the water have to be there? Does, does the water um, need to be there to tell the story that you want to tell? And um, if so, what about the water, um, it, like how, how, how does the water do that? And aesthetically speaking, um, how do you incorporate the water into that storytelling um, piece? Yeah, so by far I absolutely love projects that involve the water the most. And most of the things that I choose to do independently um, as someone who creates imagery and basically goes out into the ocean, like it's just something that I'm constantly in awe of. Like every time I go to the ocean, every time I see a sunrise or sunset over the water, I'm just so thankful and so humbled that I'm just out here able to witness it. I'm here able to go into the ocean and to be able to swim around, to be able to surf. And just, it's like the feeling after you catch like a really good weight and it just keeps going. But with the art or with the short form video or with the imagery, like you're able to share that with other people and bring that to people. So I think being able to bring the water to people through the short form videos that I put out, like I've been doing a lot of short form videos lately having someone see that and then having them in turn like smile or laugh or save it or like want to go to the ocean because of it. I think that's so powerful and such a cool thing to be a part of. With that said, what, what uh, is more powerful to you, getting barreled yourself or shooting a barrel? Honestly, like I would say shooting a barrel. And the reason is because literally the stoke on someone's face, like when they're smiling ear to ear and they're just over the moon excited, like you, you just, you can't compare that. And like, yeah, I could like take my waves, but I just feel like surfing by nature, it's like a very selfish sport. And like when we're in community and like we get to talking to one another, it just makes things better and makes it less selfish. But like when you're actually on the other side of things and you're taking the video or the photo and you just get to see this person get like so joyful in those moments, there's nothing like it. So it's almost like uh, you, the art creator, is the glue to the surf community to keep it going because without you, uh, surfers just have a bunch of vapor in their head as to what they just did. And the, uh, the artist is the one who uh, enables them to share the experience and thus also gets others who might not be uh, in that experience stoked uh, to go have their own experience. Would you say that's true? Oh, that's a good way to think about it. Well, uh, this has been a, um, an epic um, conversation. I, I'm just um, so happy that we've gotten to uh, reconnect over this, over this call and uh, this podcast today. Um, uh, before we go, uh, I would like to kind of give you the floor and kind of uh, let you kind of have the last word as to what what is the um, advice that you would give young people, uh, young people at heart that um, are interested in getting into surf photography, into uh, surf art, um, or even 
uh, those who might want to become a surfer themselves kind of, um, you know, it is an intimidating thing to get into uh, with lots of mental barriers. Um, kind of what, what's your take on it and what advice would you give? Yeah, I think if there's an interest, then feel it out and see if it's for you or not. I think no one really knows until they try, right? It's sort of like you figure out, do you like soccer? Do you like football? Do you like volleyball? You know, it's kind of similar to that. You just have to try it and you figure out if it's something you like to do. So what I would recommend is like finding people that are further along than you and maybe watching and seeing what they do and why they do it. And then seeing like, if that's something that's of interest to you, like do your research and figure out like, okay, what, what's like the very base thing that I can start with? Obviously like getting all of your gear and everything is a huge investment. So maybe someone who's young and starting out, you know, you don't have that yet. And maybe you don't have the means to get that yet. But I'd say just make small goals and progress over time. So maybe you want to start by just like following around another photographer, like kind of shadow them, kind of like a when you're young and they tell you like, what do you want to do? And you follow someone around for a day um, and kind of get a feel, is that something you want to do? And then just grab a camera, any camera, even if it's a camera on a phone or an iPad or a computer or whatever, you just use what you have to like express yourself in that way and see if that's something that you want to do because I guarantee you even if you're just shooting from a phone you're going to learn something and you're going to figure out if it's something you want to be doing you're going to figure out after a couple hours on the beach if you're still entertained with surfing or if it's maybe not as interesting to you and maybe you want to try a different avenue and so I encourage you to like try a bunch of different things especially when you're young you have so many opportunities out there for different things you could be doing in life and being able to work through and figure out what you're passionate about and what you enjoy. And if someone's just trying surfing, just get out there, become comfortable with the ocean, same with shooting from the water. You know, you've got to work on your swimming, work on like being calm in those situations where maybe you're getting pulled out to sea, maybe you found a rip current, maybe you've, um, you know, found yourself next to a surfer. You want to get comfortable with that sort of stuff, but have that confidence knowing that you already know how to swim, you know how to surf or whatever it is. And I think also if you're ever nervous to in the water, like pairing up with a body or kind of gauging the situation, making sure that it is within your limits. That's all such great advice on so many levels. Uh, again, N Nicole, thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, all of your, uh, your socials, your description, uh, the, your uh, information, uh, links to your your videos is going to be down below. I suggest everyone follow Nicole and, uh, and check her stuff out. Uh, if you like this podcast, please uh, like it, give it a thumbs up. Um, don't forget to subscribe. All that all that cool stuff. Um, I would just like to, to kind of wrap up on this note. I've really enjoyed hearing the um, the rooster in the background. Uh, anyone who's been to the North Shore knows that that is a, a hallmark uh, audio of, of of North Shore and. Um, kind of like this uh, North Carolinian sunbeam that's shooting through my window. So um, with that said, uh, Nicole, thank you so much again. I, I wish you the, the best of luck uh, today and going forward the rest of uh, the winter. And um, hopefully uh, COVID can wrap up and New Zealand can open their borders and you can get that fan trip going. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's been good to share the story. I'm stoked to see you've been working on this project this podcast for quite a while. So it's cool to see it continuing to go and the wheels turning and momentum gaining with it. So that's super rad. And yeah, stoked to see what's to come.
Thank you so much. Yep. So, uh, so that'll be a wrap and um, we'll see y'all next time. Cool. Um, do you have uh, any, any recommendations on who you'd like to see next on this podcast? Ooh, let's see. Why don't, you know, I think it would be interesting to have you have like Tomo or someone on. Have you heard of Tomo? I haven't. I should, I should look into Tomo. I'll send you his, um, his Instagram just now. Just a second. Is he a friend of yours? Yeah. Um, he's, he's the one that shoots in water all the time at pipe. Oh, he the one who got pushed like, over the falls. Yeah. Oh, nice. Super solid though. Really good at getting imagery. I'll send you his profile right now. Um, and funny thing is he says that he can't surf. I've found that a lot about uh, the photographers that I've been meeting on this series. Uh, uh, you know, the photography uh, sits first and foremost and the surfing um, isn't there. So, um, you know, you and I share the surfing comes first mentality. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I, I believe we're lucky to have that. Oh yeah, for sure. So I just sent you Tomo's um, stuff. And then, I don't know, maybe you could have like some of the girl surfers on that are up and coming. Um, I would like to do that. I mean, even like someone like Bethany Hamilton would be me. That would be very nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we might have to do a few more episodes to get a little more uh, our credentials up. I don't know. Uh, she, she, yeah. I, I've, I've, I've tried to get in contact with her before for, uh, she was actually in the running to be uh, Miss North Carolina, or excuse me, the, uh, the Azalea Festival queen in the year I, I did I it for the Azalea Festival, yeah, 2016. But she gave, uh, she gave them a big no. Uh, so yeah, uh, we, we did get yeah. close. We did get close, but she, uh, she, she couldn't make it out. Oh, wow. My son just dumped all the milk on the floor. Um, oh. We'll clean that up in a minute. Yeah. Oh, so oh, well, before we go, before we go, I had yeah. one more question um, as the milk spitter spatters in the background. What is your take on NFTs? Yes, I want to get into NFTs. It's been on my to-do list. I've basically done some groundwork, kind of research on it. I want to figure out more about like the open sea, about like crypto and all of that stuff. So I'm basically in kind of educating myself about it, but also like as soon as I like set myself down to finally like understand it, I've gotten super busy, which is such a blessing and I'm so thankful. Um, but I just saw like a commercial project that the video is due on February 10th and that was really intensive. And then this past month um, and through the end of this month, I'm filming Moana. So like I'm on call like all the time. And like- Congratulations, that's so, so sick. Which is so cool. Um, and then she's about to start a YouTube channel. And I've been putting out like two YouTube videos a week. And I've been doing four short form videos a day. So somewhere in there, I have it like, as soon as I finish like this video project, and getting out a couple more media proposals that are on my to-do list, that's like the next thing. Well, amazing. The, uh, the Global Surf Gallery um, is transitioning into the NFT world. I, I have a few NFT projects going on myself. I've spent the last uh, eight months just deep diving into this, doing all the research. So um, if you wanna, if you wanna do any uh, NFT releases um, on, on our account, um, uh, think about it. Um, I, I have all the, uh, the code to get in into the open sea without doing all the uh, Ethereum purchasing and setting up. So um, 
if, uh, if that's coming soon and interesting to you and to the audience, uh, maybe we can do that. Yeah, definitely will be in touch. Awesome. Well, Nicole, thank you again. And um, yeah, uh, I, I wish you uh, the best of luck today and, and going forward. Yeah, no, thank you so much. Are you and your family are well? Oh yeah, we're, we're very well, thank you. Yep, uh, Augustus is, uh, is two and spilling milk and the kids are at elementary school right now. Um, yeah, I actually was uh, held up the other day in front of my house and uh, my van got stolen. So that's uh, that's new news to us. No, no, I never found it. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm in the market for a van currently and uh, we'll get one soon. But goes to show, don't leave your keys in your van. Yeah. Right. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Even if it's like the most comfortable place, you know, like, yeah, you just yeah. Think, oh, I'm going for yeah, you can, you, you gotta, gotta live like everyone's a gangster, unfortunately. And, um, but us, us softies will, will get through this world. But with all that said, Nicole, thank you again. And, um, I, I look forward to seeing you next time you're over here in, uh, in good old Wilmington, North Carolina. Yeah, I know for sure I'll be there for like a week or two come July. Um, so one couple that I know they're having me do photography and cinematography for their wedding and they're actually doing like their their like actual ceremony in the water on surfboards. Sweet. That'd be great. Um, so you'll be around in the summertime. Uh for like a week or two. Very nice. Well, Definitely. congratulations on making it out to Hawaii and calling Hawaii home. Um yeah, that's thank you. Epic. It hasn't been easy, but super thankful. Yeah, you made it happen. Legendary. Cool. Well, um, before uh, before I let you go, how is the surf today? Uh, it's supposed to be decent. I saw in the forecast. I was waiting for, um, so Moana gives me an update every day based on like where she's at with the Dehui contest. Because they basically, they draw their heat out of a hat on the day of. So let's see. She hasn't given me an update quite yet. So either the contest is off for today or it's um, still getting them the info because sometimes they don't find out till like 8.30. So I think it's supposed to be decent. Yesterday was all onshore and the day before that was kind of wonky. So I think today is supposed to be the day where it starts to clean up because we have the wind in the right direction, so. Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm, I'm I'm extremely jealous. Wish I was there. Uh, maybe I'll be out there this winter uh, in, in late February, early March. We'll see. And um, maybe I'll yeah, see you then. I'll be super well, aloha. Aloha. Have a good one. It's good to catch up. Yeah, good catching up with you, you too, Nicole. All right. Bye. All right. See you.